The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. your word, that you'll guide us, that you'll speak to our hearts, that Lord, you will challenge us, encourage us, stir us up to live as your people that will bring you honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, this is our second week where I'm kind of unpacking our theme for this year, uh, which is kingdom. We, we looked at that last week and we talked about how the, the three things we particularly want to be focusing on is this idea of having a clearer vision of what it means to be kingdom people, of what God's kingdom is like, what it entails to, to really have a clear focus on what that looks like. And flowing out of that, I guess, to have closer alignment with living as kingdom people, uh, as we understand what God's kingdom is about and what God is seeking to do uh, through the church, that we would align our lives even more closely with His kingdom purposes. And, and flowing out of that, that we would then be consistently proclaiming the kingdom wherever we are in our workplaces in our schools universities our neighborhood that we would be kingdom people that are living kingdom lives that are proclaiming this invitation that God wants to extend to all people to come into his kingdom and so those are the three things that we'll kind of revisit throughout this year uh, in our preaching series in our ministry focus uh, as we journey together and over this next few weeks, we're going to be unpacking some of, these, the, the, uh, some of these themes and looking at, well, what does the kingdom look like and how are we supposed to live in light of that? So um, I mentioned last week that God's been speaking to me from a whole bunch of different passages. And one of the other passages that really stood out for me as I've been praying about this new ministry is Colossians chapter 1. And so if you want to turn there, we're going to look at uh, a few verses Verses 9 to 14 is going to be our focus this morning. Uh, and the, the words will be on the screen, but I encourage you to follow along in your, in your Bible so you can underline and make notes along the way, uh, which is always a great thing. And my message is entitled Kingdom Essentials. Kingdom Essentials. And this came out of me reflecting and thinking about, um, uh, I don't know if you've been in the situation where you've joined a new organization or you've gone to visit someone in their home and you notice very quickly that the way they do things may be different to the way you've done things or the way you do things in your home. Um, like I know when people come to visit our home, one of the first questions they always ask us is, do I need to take my shoes off? Um, you know, like what, what's the cultural norm here? And the answer is no, you don't need to take your shoes off. But it's just because some people they do that and that's culturally appropriate I know when I travel overseas to do ministry uh, I've always got to get downloaded on what is culturally appropriate behavior so that I don't offend anyone uh, and I don't upset anyone and that's an important thing for us to keep in mind now I wonder how much we think about kingdom culture or how much we think about that question what ought to characterize me as a kingdom person and so um if you want to throw that question up, this is the question I want us to be reflecting on. Um, there, what things should characterize us as kingdom people? And when you're living your life in your marriage as, as a single person, as a parent, uh, as a child, in your school, in your work, when you're watching TV, when you're thinking about how to spend your money, I wonder how much you're thinking about as a kingdom person, how should I respond, make this decision, treat this person. Um, 
And, and that's where I want us to get to, that we become so aware of the kingdom of God that we're always thinking, God, I'm a kingdom person. You've called me to live as a kingdom person. Now, what does that look like in this situation, in this scenario? And so uh, th- there's many things that the, obviously the Bible talks about, but this morning I want to look at just three kingdom essentials that flow out of this passage that we're going to be looking at in Colossians 1, 9 to 14. And it says this, for, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light." For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I want to start at the end because I think Paul has structured this argument or this instruction to the Colossians in a way where the the kind of the, the punchline comes at the end. I think the first essential characteristic of kingdom people is to be people of gratitude. People of gratitude. So Paul at the end of this verse 13, he begins with a for. And when when you write something and you use a for, it's like a because. And so here is Paul giving the reason for everything he's just said. This is the, 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 the why that should govern everything else that he said. And he says, for he, the Father, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. As kingdom people, I think we ought to be reflecting often and frequently and regularly about God's goodness. You know, we sang this morning, great is your faithfulness. And I think sometimes in the busyness of life, we forget what God has done to bring us into his kingdom. Well, Paul lists several things here. He says, giving joyful thanks to the Father, verse 12, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance. Uh, Elsewhere, Paul says that we are co-heirs with Christ, that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing, that we we are people with an inheritance. And he says, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people. God, I mean, that's just mind-blowing when you think about it. It, that, that we who are sinful and broken and, and re, re, rebellious against God have now, because of Jesus, been made holy like God. We, we have been uh, given part of God's very nature in, in Christ. The righteousness of Christ has been imputed or transferred to us so that when God sees you, when God sees me, he sees a holy person. He has qualified us to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. We're part of God's kingdom of light. There's kingdom language. And he goes on. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Do you remember what it was like before in your BC days? Before you came to Christ. Before you, you were blessed with forgiveness and grace and God's love was poured out in your heart. Do you remember Do you recall, not in a negative woe is me sense, but God, thank you that you've rescued me from the dominion of darkness and you've brought me into the kingdom of the son you love. 
and you've brought me, you've in, enveloped me. I am now your, your kids. I am now your child, just like Jesus is. I have the same inheritance he has. I have the same blessings he has. I have the same relationship with you that he has. I can call you Father, Abba, like he does. God, I am so blessed to be in your kingdom. And I think that's got to be an, an essential attribute, that as God's kingdom people, we are to be grateful people, thankful people appreciative people because i think the moment we begin we begin to forget that everything else begins to fall apart everything else goes wrong in our life following christ seems to be will become a chore serving becomes a burden uh, sacrifice becomes hard but when we start with gratitude when we start with appreciation for what the father has done for us to bring us into his kingdom then everything else will work so I think that's where this journey of being kingdom people must begin. The second thing he, he, I want you to see is that kingdom people ought to be characterized by growing in the knowledge of the will of God. Growing. He says in verse 9, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all of the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Three uh, implications that flow out of this part of what Paul is saying here. Firstly, that if we're in a kingdom, then really we should know the will of our king. As subjects of our king, we ought to know what his will is. Just like if you worked in a company or you worked in a school and there was a principal or a CEO, knowing what their vision of the organization or what, what their core values are and all of those things become important if you're going to be a part of that organization. So as kingdom people, we need to continually be asking ourselves, what is God's will in this? Well, what, what is God's will for me? What is God's will for our church? And that's why I love that today, that's what we've been praying into. If you've been journeying with us in our prayer and fasting, that's exactly what we're seeking God about. God, what is your will for our city? What is your will for our nation? What is your will for our church? What is your will for me in, in all of that? And God, will you bring your will to fruition? As kingdom people, we ought to be passionately committed to seeing the will of our king realized in, our, in and through our lives. The second thing is that, the second implication is that, because Paul says, I'm continually praying for you. This is not a one-off deal. This is going to be a continual, lifelong journey of continuing to ask that question. God, what is your will for me now? What is your will for me in this season? What is your will for me as a single person now? What is your will for me as a married person now? What is your will for me as a parent? What is your will for me in this job that I've just started? What is your will for me? That, that question ought never to leave our hearts if we're going to be kingdom people, that we're constantly seeking to do the will of our God. So it's a, it's a continual journey. And again, Paul reminds us that this is not something we can do on our own. The third implication is that he says, through all of the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. This is about walking in the Spirit. This is about uh, opening our hearts to the leading and the guidance of the Spirit. You know, I've been reading through John, and I'm up to chapter 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus talks so much about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He talks about how he's our teacher, he's our advocate, he's, he's, he's the one that's been called to come alongside us, to not just be with us, but to be in us. He will teach us all truth. He will lead us and remind us of all the things that Jesus said. And, and, and it's his ministry. And Paul reminds us and reminds the Colossians that without the Holy Spirit, we can't live as kingdom people. We need the Holy Spirit. 
So how does, how does this work? Well, the Bible is the manifesto of the kingdom. This, this is it. And so I want to suggest to you, and this is why we, we harp on about this at PCC, that we, there's no shortcuts here. We, we have to be people of the book. We, we have to be people who are regularly in the Word of God because this is the will of the King. This is His instruction manual for our lives. And this is where we want to be regularly in and soaking in so that we, we hear God's Word to us and where we're hearing God's will expressed to us, His guidance, His insight. Well, this is it. And so I don't say that you know, to, to kind of condemn you or kind of make you feel bad because you, you, you don't read the Bible or any of that. I'm just saying to you that as a kingdom person, knowing the will of the king is really essential. Now, how you do that, how you go about doing that, whether you do audio Bible, you listen to the word of God while you're driving in your car, whether you have a set time in the morning, in the night, whether you do little chunks throughout the day, none of that matters. The, what matters is that you're in the book and that the book of God, the Word of God, the will of God is getting into your heart, that the will of God is reading you, scanning you, that you are aligning yourselves with God's revealed will. That's the central issue. And I, I, I invite you, if you're really serious about being a kingdom person, be someone that's growing in the knowledge of the will of God for your life in a specific sense, but in a general sense, as the revealed Word of God is. The third attribute, and again, the, this one flows out of these ones. It's about honoring the king. It's about honoring the king. And this is what Paul goes on to say. Notice he begins verse 10 with a so that, which is he's connecting these two thoughts. He's connecting this idea of continually growing, uh, uh, continually growing in the knowledge of God's will with understanding and wisdom from the Spirit so that there's a reason why we're supposed to do this. It's not enough just to know what the will of God is. It's not enough just to know what the Bible says. It's not enough just to kind of go, oh yeah, I read that the other day and that was really great and that inspired me, but I'm going to do nothing about it. Paul says, so that, this is why we, we, we grow in the knowledge of the will of God, that we may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. A kingdom essential for kingdom people ought to be about honoring our King. Honoring our King bringing glory to Him, reflecting Him. You know, in, in the, the biblical culture of the New Testament, um, and in many cultures of the world today, uh, they have what is called honor-shame culture. And in the Bible, uh, a lot of the stuff in the New Testament, particularly in Paul's letters, reflect that cultural mindset of honor-shame. And the way it was supposed to work is that you had a rich benefactor or someone who was influential and powerful who came along and who rescued you. And often it was because you were in slavery and you were in debt and you couldn't afford to pay your bills and you were in a really, really bad way. And so this rich benefactor came, he had compassion on you, he had mercy on you, and he would rescue you. He would cancel all your debts, he would pay for it all, and he would bring you into his household. Now, that slave's responsibility then was to repay the benefactor for his kindness, for his grace, for his mercy. Now, if you're a slave and you're down on your luck and you have no money and you've got nothing, how are you going to repay such a huge debt? Think of the parable that Jesus told about the unforgiving servant, how that debt was canceled and it was a huge debt. Now, there's no way that that slave is going to be able to repay his benefactor. So what was agreed or understood was the way that that slave would pay back the benefactor was by honoring him in public. 
So the way the slave would pay back the master was to go around his community singing the praises of his benefactor, saying to people, man, you, my, my, benefactor, my boss is so awesome. He's so amazing. He's so generous. He's so kind. He's so merciful. And to live in a, such a way that the master or the benefactor's name would be honored in their community. That is what the New Testament calls us to do for our king. You see, because we can never repay God for his mercy. Never repay God for all that Paul's told us that God has done for us to bring us into his kingdom, to, who has redeemed us. He has forgiven our sins. We can never repay that debt. One way we repay that is by expressing gratitude and saying thank you. The other way is to honor him is to live lives that please Him, live lives that reflect how great a benefactor our God is, how amazing He is, how faithful He is, how generous He is, how kind He is, how compassionate He is. The sad reality is that sometimes Christians, the portrayal we give our community of the God we worship is so not like Him. But Paul challenges us. He says, when you know the will of God, when you're growing in the knowledge of the will of God, then you can live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. And then he goes on to, to point out three ways that we can do this, three ways that we can honor our King, that we can please our Lord. The first one is bearing good fruit. Bearing fruit in every good work. Now I want to qualify this and I want to unpack this a little bit we, we have to get the order right. This is critical. Good works done in order to earn God's favor, to earn God's grace, to earn relationship with God are never going to work. They're going to bring you death. God is never pleased with that. But when our good works flow out of gratitude because of all that God has already done to bring us into His kingdom, they please God. To help you understand this, it's the difference between seed works and fruit works. If you do your works as seed that you're planting with the hope that it's going to produce a good harvest that God is going to accept and please, it will never do that. Because the Bible says that our good works are like filthy rags. Our good works can never earn us merit or credit with God. As seed, good works will always bring death. But if there are fruit that result from the seed of God's grace and the salvation and the faith that we've already received and our lives begin to produce the fruit of that, that good deeds is pleasing to our Father. It's pleasing to Jesus. It honors Jesus and it makes His name great. So bearing fruit in every good work, Paul says. Growing in the knowledge of God. Growing in the knowledge of God is the second way that we can honor Him. See, God is not just interested in us having an academic, intellectual knowledge of Him, even His Word and even His will. He really wants us to know Him, to, to be in relationship with Him, to, to have an intimate walk with Him, to, to, to be close like His kids. And that's why Paul says that we, this honors God, that we, we are growing in the knowledge of God. So whether you've been a Christian one month or whether you've been a Christian for 30 years, this describes what your life in the kingdom ought to be like. That we're continually growing in the knowledge of God. We're continually growing in intimacy and relationship with Him because it honors Him. 
Now, again, I'm not going to, you know, mandate and stipulate or tell you how you need to do that. You know, if you do this, this, and this. No, it's for you, again, to know that that is the will of God, for Him to know you and for you to know Him. And then for you to go, okay, God, well, how am I going to do this? How am I going to live this out? How am I going to grow in my knowledge of you? so that I am walking with you. I'm being shaped by your character. I'm being shaped by your values. I'm being shaped by your heart, that my life and my heart and my mind and my values and my behavior are becoming more and more aligned with you because I know you. How am I going to do that? The third thing Paul says that will honor our God, will will please him, that's worthy of him, is having great endurance and patience. He says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might that you may have great endurance and patience. See, I want to tell you right up the front that living a kingdom life is hard work. It's hard, it was hard work for them in, in, in a Roman empire that was opposed to the church, that you know, persecuted the church and where making a stand for Christ could cost you your life. It's hard work in many parts of the world today. There's a map on the, on the back wall that you can look at where in many, many countries of the world, Christians are being persecuted to the point of death. But it's also hard work for us. Maybe not in the same way, but it's all, always a hard thing to bring your will to submission before the Lordship of Christ. You know, forget external persecution and hardship. You know, the, the greatest battle you'll fight is within. It's within. It's being able to submit your will to the Father. And so it's going to take endurance. There'll be plenty of pressure. There will be plenty of reasons for you to quit and to give up. Even in the Bible times, the, the New Testament writers had to encourage Christians all the time. We just did the whole book of Hebrews where the writer's main aim was to encourage these Christians not to give up on Jesus because life was getting tough out there. It's going to take hard work. But you know, Jesus is honored and our, and our lives will make much of him and he, he, we will live lives worthy of him and please him when we do endure. And I was thinking of Pastor Bert, who used to be the minister here, and we celebrated his life at his funeral a little while ago. I was thinking of my mom, who passed away last year, and how she held on to her faith. What an incredible legacy that that leaves behind of godly people who finish well. Who, who get to the end of their life and they have a sweet spirit and they love Jesus more and, and they can't wait to see Jesus and their faith is so strong. Uh, I tell you, that brings honor to Jesus. And compare that with the many reports we're hearing in social media of prominent Christians who are renouncing their faith, who are walking away from Jesus, who are saying, you know, it's not worth it, it's too hard. And I just think, oh, th- that does not honor our King. And so that's why Paul says we, we need to be strengthened with all power. We, we can't do this on our own. But the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1 that God has given us all the resources we need to live a godly life and to finish well and to get to the end. We're not told to do this on our own. And so that's why Paul says being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. And there's another so that, so that you will have great endurance and patience so that we will finish the race, so that we will get to the end, so that we will remain faithful, so that we will not fail to honor Jesus. And so I invite you as we journey this year and and beyond to be kingdom people, 
that as a church community, as individuals, that we would be characterized by gratitude. Thanks, guys. You want to jump up? That we would be people who are regularly reminding ourselves, regularly reminding each other of all that God has done for us. That we will have opportunity to share our testimony, to say God's faithfulness and mercy knows no bounds. That we will regularly remind ourselves. And that's why I love that we do communion at least three out of four Sundays. Because it's a reminder of what God has done to rescue us from the power of darkness and to bring us into the kingdom of His Son. That we would never get tired of expressing our gratitude and our passionate worship to our God who has rescued us. Our King who has plundered the kingdom of darkness and taken us captive and brought us into freedom and the kingdom of light and the kingdom of the Son He loves. And that we would be continually people who seek to know God's will, to to be in the book and to be in His presence, listening to Him, listening to the Holy Spirit, to the wisdom and guidance that the Spirit wants to give us, to remind us of what Jesus said and Jesus did and to guide us into all truth so that we would be people who, who delight to do the will of our King. And that because of that, that we will live lives that honor Him, that are worthy of Him, that please Him, that delight, in him, that delight Him, and that make His name great in our community as we do good deeds, as we endure, as we remain strong, as we grow in the knowledge of God, the personal, intimate knowledge of God that just oozes out of us in our workplace, in our schools, in our neighborhood, in our families, that people sense the presence of God in our lives because we've been in His presence and because we know Him and we reflect Him. That's my heart, to be kingdom people. Will you join me in that journey? Will you, will you pray into that these next two weeks? Will you be your part in that journey by being characterized by these kingdom essentials? And there'll be more, but this is just three that Paul talks about in this passage. Would you stand with me? Just take a moment. We're going to sing and close this service. But before we do that, for you to just again be listening to the Holy Spirit. Just take a moment to reflect, to still your heart and ask God to speak to you and to show you His will in terms of how you are to respond from this message. Maybe it's about being more grateful, reminding yourself of all that God has done. Maybe it is growing in the knowledge of His will. Maybe it's submitting to His will, humbling yourself before Him. Maybe it's really thinking about how you can do good works and how you can grow in your knowledge of God and how you can stand firm when things are difficult so that you can honor Him. Let the Holy Spirit just speak. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.